Good morning. The scripture reading for this morning's message is Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 6. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity for Ron uh, to preach today. Lord, we pray that you would bless the message, bless our hearts to be open to hear uh, the truth about you, which will be spoken this day. Lord, uh, we thank you for this opportunity that we have each week. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Last week I was uh, sitting and I was thinking about the fact that I was going to be preaching this, this next week and I was looking around and I thought, hey, I should wear this polo because it'll match the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was, I've really been looking forward to, uh, to being able to share with you from the Word and uh, I really appreciated uh, knowing that you guys were praying for me and being told that you would be praying for me, and that was very encouraging and very uh, comforting. My, my main goal for this morning is that you would leave here feeling blessed, that you would leave here having comfort and having hope, and uh, if, you've, if you put your faith in Christ, you are blessed. Uh, and the words of this passage, specifically uh, chapter 5, verse 3 to 6, they, they describe you. So you are blessed. After all, you are poor in spirit. You feel so needy, and you know you would be helpless if you tried to go through life on your own. You are someone who mourns. Uh, sorrow follows you like a shadow, and you mourn over the brokenness you see in the world, the brokenness you see in your own life. You're someone who's meek. Your hope in God allows you to respond to injustice with gentleness instead of anger. And you're someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. 
You know that this world is broken, that you are broken, and you long for the day where everything will be made right. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Hey, that's not the way I normally would think of the word blessed. Uh, After all, we normally picture someone who's rich and happy, not someone who's poor and sad when we use the word blessed. But I think we use the word blessed when we find ourselves in some kind of fortunate situation. I, was, I remember when I was in high school, I saw someone that I played football against uh, make a post on Facebook, and he was saying he was going to go play football at a Division I school, and he felt hashtag blessed. And I thought that was strange because he didn't strike me as particularly religious when I was playing against him. Uh, normally, we use the word blessed when we can see the ways that God has showed his kindness to us, ways that God has provided for us. No, normally we might say that we've been blessed with financial security. And that's a good way of using the word blessed. We use blessed when God has brought about a fortunate circumstance in our lives. And here we will see that despite appearances, those who have repented and put their faith in Christ are blessed. They are blessed because they are citizens of Christ's future kingdom. The main idea for today's sermon is that the repentant are blessed because they are citizens of Christ's future kingdom. So we're going to consider what what we mean by the kingdom. We're going to consider what it means to be repentant. And then we're going to look at four reasons why those who are repentant are blessed. So today's sermon is mainly going to focus on verses 3 to 6 in chapter 5. But I wanted us to see who it was that Jesus was preaching to when he gave the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 4, verse 17, we see that Jesus began his ministry going around and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While God has always and will always be sovereign and has always ruled over the earth, people reject his rule. They rebel against him. And this world is not the way that it should be. It is full of sin and death and suffering. But Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Zechariah, Malachi, they, they prophesied, they promised that a day would be coming, a day is coming, when God's rule will be displayed over the entire earth. And the effects of, the sin, of sin and the curse will be reversed, and things will finally be the way that it should be. And they predicted, they prophesied, that God would establish and exercise his rule over the earth through a king from the line of David. And so when Jesus came to the earth, he was that king. He is that king. And he was going around and saying, repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was offering to establish the kingdom. Now, of course, that offer was rejected. Instead of crowning Jesus their their king, they crowned him with thorns, and they crucified him. And he was killed, and he was buried. But we know that he rose again from the dead, And he currently rules over the lives of those who put their faith in him. And we know that he is going to return and he will fully establish his kingdom upon the earth. But that call for repentance still stands. 
It's a bit of an understatement to say that not everyone will benefit when Christ returns. When Christ returns, he will rid the world of evil. And in order to do so, he will rid the world of evildoers. Now, we all fall under that category. We all can be classified as evildoers. That's why we need to repent. This repentance is an idea of a turn towards God. It's a Godward turn, a turn towards Christ. Now, we all turn away from different things. Some of us have to turn away from rebellion. We're saying, I'm not interested in the kingdom. I want to rule over my own life. And we, re- we turn away from that rebellious attitude, and we put our faith in Christ, and we submit to him. Some of us say, yeah, I'm interested in the kingdom. I want, I want to take part of that, but I should be able to get in myself. I don't, I don't need Jesus. But you see, Jesus is the only person who has ever deserved to enter the kingdom. And he came and he lived a perfect life and he suffered and died for us and took the punishment that we deserve so that when we put our faith in him, we don't have to worry about the wrath that is to come. The wrath that we deserve is already poured out on Christ. And so if you haven't made that turn towards Christ, if you're still rebelling against his rule, or if you're still thinking, hey, I'm, I'm good enough. I shouldn't need Jesus to get into the kingdom of heaven. I urge you to turn away from that, that attitude and, and put your faith in Christ. And I urge you to do so today. But for most of you, I'm, I know you've already made that turn. You've already repented and put your faith in Christ. And so these verses that we're going to be spending our time looking at, verses 3 to 6, describe you. They describe a heart that has heeded the call to repentance. It's a heart that's seeking to submit to Christ's rule and waiting in eager anticipation for his coming kingdom. Now, anyone who has repented and put their faith in Christ can be described using these words. But we can continue to grow in these attitudes. So one of the takeaways that we should have when we leave today is for us to pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to recognize the brokenness of this world. That the Holy Spirit would uh, allow us to see the atrocity of our own continued rebellion against Christ. And that the Holy Spirit would enable us to see our need for God to intervene and establish his rule over the entire world and over our lives. Now, but the main takeaway for us today is for us to leave here feeling comforted and having hope. Because we know that the promises of this passage are true for us. So we'll now look at four reasons why we who have repented are blessed. The first reason that we are blessed is that the coming kingdom is ours. We are citizens of Christ's coming kingdom. Verse 5, chapter 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, The Bible frequently connects poverty 
with a sense of relying upon God. Obviously, not every poor person relies upon God, but a lot of times, poor people will recognize that they are completely dependent upon God to meet their needs. I'm, I'm sure many of you have had seasons where you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills. And you've really recognized at that point how much you need God to provide for you. But, you know, for us, being poor, it comes and goes. But for most people in the world, if you are born poor, you live poor, and then you die poor. So your sense of relying upon God never goes away. Now, you'll see it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So this isn't just talking about material poverty. It's not just talking about not being able to pay the bills. It's this constant sense of neediness. It's having a mindset of relying upon God. Having to constantly look for God to provide. Now, I know oftentimes our needs can leave us feeling discouraged. Perhaps one of your needs, uh, or perhaps your persistent struggles with sin, leaves you feeling needy. It, that you've, you've tried to make this sin struggle go away, whatever it is, and whatever you try, it, it doesn't seem to work. And you're left feeling discouraged. But when you recognize how needy you are, you recognize how much you need forgiveness, you can rejoice and find comfort knowing that Christ is rich in mercy. That you have a, a rich and generous king who can provide forgiveness to you. I know this past week I felt very needy as I was preparing for this sermon. <laughs> I thought, how, how am I going to pull this off? I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And at that time, when I was feeling needy in that way, I was comforted knowing that Christ sends his Holy Spirit and that he equips, equips all of us for ministry. As our sense of need grows, so can our appreciation for Christ's riches of grace and his riches of mercy. And we can take comfort knowing that we have a rich and generous king. Now, a second thing about poor people is that they really don't have much going for them in this world. You're not going to find a, a poor person, you know, really looking forward to their retirement and what, what this life has in store for them. And, you know, with the presence of sin in, this, in our lives, with the presence of our own brokenness, and with the impress. The, the presence of evil and injustice that we see in this world around us, we don't have much going for us in this world either. But thankfully, that future kingdom is as good as ours. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, these next three com uh, promises are all based on this, on this first promise, that the future kingdom is as good as ours. So the second promise is that we will be comforted. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now in chapter, or verse 3 and verse 4, 
Jesus is referring to Isaiah 61. Now, we're not going to go back and look at Isaiah 61, but I would encourage you to um, maybe later today or later in the week. In Isaiah 61, it's the words of a messenger who's anointed with the Spirit, and he's comforting Israel, who's mourning over the exile that they've been experiencing. And they're mourning over the injustice that they've been experiencing and witnessing in this exile. They're mourning because of their suffering. But they're also mourning because they know that they are in exile because of their own acts of injustice. They're in exile because of their own sin. And so they're mourning over the consequences of their sin, yes, but they're mourning because they know that they've sinned against a good and merciful God who they had no reason to sin against. Now when Jesus was uh, speaking these words, he was speaking to Israelites who were living hundreds of years after they had returned from exile, but they felt like they were still in exile. They were living in Israel, yes, they were living in the promised land, but they were living under the occupation of a brutal Roman army. And so they felt like they were still in exile. And they were mourning over the injustices that they saw committed at the hands of that army. And they would have been mourning because they knew that their own sin was part of the reason this was happening. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I mourn when I see evil and injustice in this world around us. Maybe you mourn when you think about what's going on in Ukraine. Maybe you mourn what's, when you think about what's going on in Israel and Palestine. Uh, no matter where you stand politically, there's a lot of things to mourn about in, in our own country, whether you're thinking about what's going on at the border or when you're driving down the street and you see a homeless person who's obviously strung out on drugs. Uh, uh, people disagree on politics a lot, but normally they all agree that some kind of injustice is happening that's causing this suffering that we see. Now, it's not distinctly Christian to mourn over injustice. Everybody mourns over injustice and evil. What sets us apart is that we know that this is all the result of sin, that these selfish actions are the result of rebellion against God. And another thing that sets us apart is when we mourn, we know that we participate in sin. We know that we participate in messing up this world that we live in. We bring our own disorder. We bring our own pain and chaos into our lives. Whether it's at work, at home, in your relationship with your family, and maybe it's in your relationship with God, you, your Acts of, uh, your acts of sin brings in pain and chaos. Do you think about a sin that you've committed this past week, whether it was losing your temper with your family, being, being lazy at work, being selfish? When you think about what you've done, we can mourn over the ways that we have contributed to the pain and chaos that we see in this world. But then we also mourn because we know that we've rebelled and sinned against a God who's been so good to us and that we have no reason 
to rebel against. But thankfully, Jesus comforts us as we mourn. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, we don't have time to look at it, but I'd encourage you to look at Isaiah chapter 60 uh, through 62. Um, these, those promises are made to, to Israel, but they're promises that we will participate in and be blessed in. And Jesus promises that when he returns, he will replace our mourning with comfort and joy. He will establish uh, justice throughout this world. He will make it so that we are, we are righteous. We no longer have to deal with the presence of sin in our lives. And best of all, we will enjoy God's presence. There's a passage that says there will be no, no more need for, for the sun or the moon, for God will be our light. You see, when Jesus comes and comforts us, it's not just that we won't be sad. We will be completely happy in his presence. So blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now the third reason that we can find comfort in these, these verses is we know that when Christ returns, we will share in his rule over the earth. Chapter 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this idea of being meek, it's not a word that we use very often, but it, it has to do with gentleness. Oftentimes, it's gentleness in contrast to harsh anger or force. So Jesus says that he is gentle and lowly, and he's comparing himself to the, the harsh uh, Pharisees and their legalism. I think that Jesus shows us what this gentleness can look like when chapter 5, verses 38 to 39, when he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I think that's a good picture of what being meek looks like. Now, this verse was something that I was really having to wrestle with this past week. I, I found this verse, um, I believed it, but I wasn't living it out. I was in Israel less than, a, less than a year ago. Less than a year ago, I was on a plane sitting next to an Israeli father and his daughter. And there's a lot of people like them who are dead right now, who are murdered. And so this past week, I was pacing around my apartment, and I wanted so badly to just drop out of seminary and go join the military so I could go kill terrorists. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and I had to wrestle with this, because I was like, I know that's not the way I'm supposed to be feeling. And so looking at this verse, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, it's referring to chapter, Psalm 37, verses 8 through 11. So let's, let's turn and look at that passage. How is it that can we, we can respond to evil and injustice with gentleness instead of fierce anger? 
Psalm 37, and we'll start in verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. In, in the grand scheme of things, evil and evildoers won't be around for long. And when Christ returns, he will wipe them out. Now, I know my example of being angry about terrorists was a little extreme, but I think there's a lot of things that we get angry about, and we think, how can we not be angry? How can we not be full of rage when we think about these people? Maybe you feel that way when you think about um, Planned Parenthood and all the abortions that they, they commit. Maybe you, you get angry when you think about the ways that people want to expose children to sexual debauchery in schools and tell them that it's normal and healthy. Maybe that's what makes you angry. Maybe you get angry when you think about what's going on in, in Palestine. That makes sense, too. There's plenty of reasons to be angry. So, but we can respond with gentleness when we recognize that it's not in our hands. When we feel angry, we feel like we have to do something. But justice is in God's hands. He will have his vengeance. Perhaps it will be through earth, earthly governments, but they can only uh, bring about an imperfect form of justice. But when Christ returns, he will bring perfect justice. Not a single act of terror, not a single abortion will go unpunished. And I, I think this is something that we have to beat into our heads. It, I believed this when I was pacing around my apartment so angry, but I had to really wrestle with it. And so we, we can remember that Christ will establish perfect righteousness. But we also have to remember that while we will inherit the earth, while we will participate in that kingdom, we didn't earn our way in. Our entrance into the kingdom was a free gift. And knowing that God shows his kindness to all, that he offers this free gift of entrance into the kingdom to all, is part of the reason why we can be gentle towards evildoers. Uh, if you look at verse 43 of chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends his rain to the just and the unjust. God blesses evil people with his kindness, even now. And he doesn't just send, his, send the rain. He sent his son so that whoever believes in him would not perish and have eternal life. 
I've known people personally who have done some pretty reprehensible things. And I would get very angry whenever I would think about them. And I thought, I don't even know how I would be able to be in the same room as this person. (laughs) Because I would just get so mad whenever I thought about them. And in order to get past that, I had to think of the ways that the gospel applies to them. And think of the ways that God has shown his kindness to people, even people like them. So when we remember that God will will have his perfect justice, no act of evil will be left unpunished. And when we remember that God sent his son so that evildoers like us can be given a gift of entrance into the kingdom, that is what allows us to to respond to evil and evildoers with gentleness. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, the fourth, the fourth beatitude pretty much summarizes the first three. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So we know that when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom, we will be satisfied in him and in his, his reign. Now, oftentimes when people look at this hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll think that it's uh, referring to the righteousness that we receive when we put our faith in Christ. So they think it's saying, blessed are those who want to be, clear, want to be declared righteous through faith in Christ. Um, That's a a common way of of viewing this passage, but I don't think that Matthew views righteousness quite in that way. I think Matthew is talking about a longing for the righteousness, the moral goodness that will characterize the kingdom. It's, It's longing for the righteous rule of Christ. It's longing to see God's justice God's compassion, God's peace displayed over the entire earth. And that longing will only be satisfied when Christ returns. Now, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount will talk about ways how we imitate this righteousness. And so, as the Holy Spirit allows us to fulfill Jesus' commands we will display the very righteousness that we long for. So, sometimes it can be hard for us to see this in our own lives, but I can see it in your lives. I think this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our righteousness is just a reflection of God's righteousness. And so when we act this out, we display the values of the kingdom that we are longing for. I see this in your lives. I see this when you care for people who are less fortunate than you. I see this when you are patient with your children. Uh, I see this when I see young men uh, seeking purity. Now, unfortunately, because of our sin, we will never be satisfied 
in this lifetime. Our longing for righteousness will never be satisfied in the here and now. And our longing for righteousness will never be satisfied by, by worldly governments. But it will be satisfied when Christ returns. And all of these longings will be satisfied through Christ. All of these promises that we are citizens of a future kingdom, that we shall be comforted, that we shall inherit the earth, that we will be satisfied, all of these promises will be met in Christ's return. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is already a marvelously rich and generous king, and we are already citizens of his kingdom. And while we see his goodness in our lives today, we will see the fullness of his goodness when he establishes his future kingdom. Verse, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yes, Jesus comforts us today. But when he returns, he will wipe away every tear. And he will be our source of joy. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus will wipe away evildoers. And he will let us join him in reigning over the earth. That is an amazing promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Nothing is going to be more satisfying than see, seeing Jesus rule over this earth. Jesus, I am so looking forward to when you return. Um, there's so much evil in this world. There's so much injustice. And sometimes it really slaps us in the face some days. And we see it for what it really is. But Lord, I thank you that we know that you are going to return. I thank you that we can find comfort and hope in the promises that you've made to us. And Lord, hasten that day, hasten the day where you will return and wipe away every tear and there'll be no more sin and death. Lord, we look forward to that day and we just long to see, you, see your return. And we love you and we're grateful for what you've done for us. Amen. One more song.